This is Lou Elizondo, and you are listening to That UFO Podcast. I'd like to thank Paperlike for sponsoring this episode. Something that's always held me back from making more use of my Apple Pencil for notes is the feeling across the screen still felt like I'm writing on glass, especially when scribbling notes for podcast episodes. Paperlike have very much changed how I use my existing iPad and it's giving it a new lease of life. Paperlike is perfect for anyone who draws and writes using an iPad and an Apple Pencil. The surface of the Paperlike is coated using nanodots, tiny microbeads that are designed to add superior stroke precision when you drag the Apple Pencil across the screen. Every Paperlike comes in a set of two, so you'll always have a spare in case you need. I'm no artist either, but my kids certainly approve of using it to draw and doodle, and I can have peace of mind the screen underneath is completely protected. To pick up your Paperlike, head over to paperlike.com forward slash that UFO, click buy Paperlike and select your iPad size. From now until the end of January, Paperlike is also including their digital pro planner bundle at no extra cost with every order placed through the Paperlike store. Plus, shipping is completely free. Ready to do more with your iPad? Then head over to paperlike.com forward slash that UFO to get started. Hi everyone and welcome back to That UFO Podcast. My name is Andy and I've got the first guest of 2023 on with me, feeling re-energised and happy to be back. I'd like to bring in UK-based investigator, researcher and author of the ever-popular Truth Proof series. I've got Paul Sinclair on the podcast with me. Paul, welcome. Andy, thank you. It's been a long time coming and I'm really happy to be talking to you today. It is, Paul. Um, Paul was meant to be on last month, but just because of the excessive fee that he was asking for, we had to negotiate back and forward. And... <laughs> <laughs> no, not at you all. You weren't supposed to tell him that. <laughs> no, that's it. Listen, life gets in the way, doesn't it? I'd just been on your podcast a few days before we were due to record, and that's festive correct. period, things moving about. Um, it, It's been delayed slightly, but I think good timing to kick off the new year, Paul, with, with the conversation as well, because I don't get enough UK-based folks on so you and genuinely I, I don't just say this whenever I've put out over the last year and a half two years of asking for guest suggestions your name comes up so often with people saying Paul Sinclair Paul Sinclair and that's from both sides of the pond that's you know from the US and the UK Um, so I was honoured to be on your own podcast back in December 2022 I've put the link for that in the description if anyone wants to check it out but I've already talked too much uh, in a minute and a half, Paul. So listen, for any listeners unfamiliar with you and your work, can you tell us a little bit about your background? My background, before writing the Truth Proof books, I've been a joiner from 16 to 48 years old. Packed in work after working with these all my life and uh, I'd always had the inclination that I'd write a book about unexplained phenomena due to things that happened to me in childhood. So it's always been there. You know, I mean, some people might think, oh, this guy's just appeared. But I haven't. I've been sort of researching and looking, if research is the word, Andy, but I've been looking into these things. I would have thought, as long as I can remember. So I wrote the first book, Truth Proof book, I think, 2016. And I've done five books now. And that's that's it for books for now, because we're working on the documentaries. And it was just a a combination of... uh, Multi-phenomena research, that's another thing that I'm always keen to stress, that I'm not a UFO researcher, I'm not a cryptid researcher, poltergeist, ghosts, it's multi-phenomena. Because my own belief, it doesn't mean I'm right, but my own belief is all of this is linked in some inexplicable way, but it's linked, so even by location. Because as many times, as you'll know, with people that you've spoken to and work that you've done, 
you'll find that there'll be a UFO sighting. But if you look into the area, you find that there's there's an absolute multitude of other strange things happen, which probably go back decades and before. Mm. You know, it's fascinating. You've you've already touched on a few things I was going to get to in the next couple of questions, which is which is good. You've lined me up. You mentioned your own experiences going back. Would you like to touch on some of those? Like, do they go back as early as childhood? Oh gosh, yeah. That, I mean, that's where it came from, and I never really spoke about them till I think I, I was fortunate. I've been I've been doing a lot of research back in two thousand and two to 2009 on what we called the Wolds light forms, these spheres of light that were appearing on the East Yorkshire Wolds. And this will relate to what I'm going to, what your question in a moment. And I'd been putting it on the internet. And you, if you remember UFO Casebook and Brian Vikes UFO Reporting Centre back then, they were, they were prominent sites. Well, Whitley Strieber had seen some of the stuff I'd been putting on and he contacted me and said, would you like to speak on Dreamland? about the, these UFOs, uh, this footage that you've been taking. And I didn't feel ready to do that. However, when I wrote the first book, I'm thinking, right, I need to promote this. I need to get, get it out there. And I contacted him again, uh, 2015. And he said, in- instantly, just, yeah, sure, you can speak about it. But we ended up speaking about my experiences as well. It was like mm-hmm. cock coming off a bottle. My, my wife knows, my children know, my four girls. Obviously, they've, they've two of them have had ex- strange experiences. And, um, yeah, for, I would have thought from 1967, I'm 60 years old, so I'd have been I was born in 62, so I'd have been five, four or five years old, six years old, child don't keep a diary. And I always remember my dad, we lived at a place called Mexborough, uh, Old Denneby that overlooked a town of Mexborough. This is in South Yorkshire, and for any listeners overseas or out of area. We were a power station, Mexborough Power Station. My dad was pretty regimented. I had to go to bed at a time he said whatever. Unusually, this night he woke me up, and he wanted to show me this sphere of light about halfway up the power station, probably a little bit lower down, actually, the power station cooling towers. Huge sphere of sort of lemony white light that looked to be turning. And it went all the way along the rooftops of Mexborough and on towards Swinton. For me, I'm not saying that's where it started, but then I've got so the, I, I wrote a book called Night People, which is about my own experiences, and I, I've not got a, a I haven't got an experience that starts at the beginning and I've got an ending. They're all cameos of memories, and that's as good as I can get. I've, I've I've not tried to fill in the bits in between with what I think might have happened because I haven't got a clue. But I can remember after looking at this sphere of light, and I don't mean the next night, how would a child remember, but I can remember sort of waking up back bedroom in this house that overlooks pastures and cows grazing and then the town of Mexborough about three quarters of a mile in the distance. But I remember my curtains being shut and looking. And that is the thing, it's nighttime, so how, are you, how can you even see these things? For it's as vivid today as it was then. And seeing what I perceived were cows' eyes in the curtains. And these curtains were a silvery blue colour. And if anybody remembers, and I'm showing my age here, but people used to buy fibreglass curtains. Seriously. And that, my mum had got these all of a blooming house. And I'm looking at these, and only thing a child can relate to, you're looking for something that you can identify to assign those eyes to. And I thought they looked like cow's eyes. They came out of curtains, and they were beings. This is crazy, honestly. And, and, and on and off throughout childhood, 
to being 14, 15 years old, I had this interaction with these things now and it weren't nice. It were never good. Nothing good came out, out of it. And it sometimes, Andy, you wonder if everything's sort of pre-planned in a person's life because there's there's loads of events during that childhood that happened, but then it just kind of stopped. Got married, uh, three children moved to, we had four children moved to Bridlington in 1993, and it started instantly. I didn't start talking about it. This weren't something, oh, I'm going to start talking about this. We, uh, we're, the house I'm in now, which I've converted to flats, huge Victorian house, came up, started working on it with our eldest daughter. My wife, Mary, stayed at home. And within the first day, two days, it happened. And me and Sarah, we're upstairs. We're on the top floor of this huge Victorian house, big independent staircase that you can look over either side, five metre hallway, three and a half, four metres wide. Fabulous. And that'll become apparent in a moment why I've said that. I'm not just boasting about a staircase. This house was a wreck. This house yep. were a wreck. <clears throat> we're on an we're on an old mattress at the top of the house. I'm trying to get as a job as a joiner. I'm just trying to get it habitable. When I woke up at night and picture a, a right angle, a corner, you've got a door there, and all the doors were painted with what's called wood grain. The staircase was mahogany, real mahogany, but the doors had got this wood grain. And it was dark, and I think I can see a figure stood. Again, the door and in this two-foot recess before the spindles of the staircase, which I'm looking out onto. And it's unusual for me because I didn't get up and I'm looking at it and it's tall and I think it's got a hat on. And I'm watching it and watching it. And I remember turning around and looking at Sarah and she's asleep. I was awake. Uh, you know, I don't need, I don't say I don't need, that's wrong. I, I'm not looking for somebody to tell me, you know, I dreamt this or you, were you doing drugs? Had you done alcohol? No, I hadn't, no. I love beer. I didn't have a beer then, though. I don't think I drank. But so to get to the point, suddenly I realised I'm looking at the spindles, you know, the, of the staircase, and the white. And I'm thinking, we haven't painted them white. And the, all the stairs was an olive green. It's night time, and I'm looking, and they're getting brighter. They're getting brighter and brighter. I forgot about what I thought I was looking at in that corner, in corner of this alcove. And Sarah's asleep and I'm looking at these spindles and they're getting whiter and whiter. And then up from the middle of the stairs, this sounds bizarre, but there were beings, they, they were lifting. And it, it wasn't a nativity scene, but that's what it reminded me of. It wasn't, it weren't biblical. Do, do you know what I'm saying? It just, rem yeah. they, they seemed to be glowing. They, they seemed to be glowing. And the spindles suddenly became like fluorescent tubes. They were that white, and then all of a sudden, bosh, it's white out. That's end of it. That's all I remember. And I woke up in the morning, and I couldn't remember it. Set about doing a bit of work for the day, stretched my arms out, and I've got holes in my arms. I've got loads of them. All It looked like somebody had stuck match, hot matches all over. I mean, they're scarred now, because the, over the years, the, it got worse. And uh, the, as soon as I stretched my arms out and looked, it kind of came back to me. And I, and that's all I remember. of. That's about the, the, the longest uh, running memory that I've got, even from childhood, of that, of that happening. Then throughout 1993 to 1998, it was intense. Woke up with three holes in my back after seeing them. And, and we've got... 
the medical records and I've I've not put them all in night people but I've put what I needed to put in where the doctors are saying to to skin specialists we would like you to have a look how young man they called me then obviously we would like you to look at the punch hole lesions that keep appearing on this young man's body every two to three months the, the doctors at the surgery are perplexed and quite baffled and them's the words and they're in the book you know and that's what they're saying and uh they talk about them healing with giant foreign body cells as though there's been a surgical procedure done. Uh, is there a history of trauma? Uh, and all sorts of things. I knew what was happening. I've sat there. And this is before, I, obviously, I became vocal about it. I didn't even speak about it, as I've said, until 2014, 2015 with to Whitley in, uh, publicly. And uh, I knew. And you think, how do you talk about this? How, 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 it's, it's, it's a no-win situation. I've written Night People now. I've got it out of the way. I'm, I'm pleased I've written it. And and I'm going to speak about what, what we've called the Night People at the Awakening later this year. Uh, so that'd be the first time I've ever spoke about them, apart from on that Whitley Streber show, and I'm talking to you a little bit now. And so it's been ongoing, basically. A, a long-winded answer to a short question. <laughs> No, but there's some fascinating stuff in there, and I appreciate anyone sharing any type of experience, especially like intimate ones where you know you're waking up with marks, and you know it's unexplained, and it's, it's so many experiencers talk about those, not just the incidents, but also them being uncomfortable, being difficult to live with. But then it's the going forward. How do you? How did you find? living with those experiences not only reoccurring but you're then seeking medical advice which some experiencers don't because they don't know where to turn and then obviously there's the potential ridicule factor off the back of that as well well you're right and but i need to stress andy from 96 to 98 they weren't just marks that healed they've left scars big white scars and the ones in my back i had to seek medical attention i'm really worried because I, 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 I saw them, I saw swirling lights in the bedroom, on the bedroom wall, and there's nothing at the back of this property. Uh, that, well, there's terraced houses, but the curtains are shut, but there's nothing there. It's quite a long garden. And I could see these lights, and then I could see them in the lights. Then all of a sudden, it felt like a corkscrew were turning in my back. Literally, that's what it felt like. And they're telling me it's a bed spring. That, 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 I don't know what, what they're doing. I don't know how it happened, because I think I'm on my back. So how can they do anything to my back? I find that mm -hmm. perplexing. I think I'm in bed. Mary's in bed at side of me. She's no idea, although she's woke up and seen mist in room and small beings once that she told me about. But the next morning, I sit up on the side of bed, no clothes on, and Mary says to me, I don't believe it. She says, what, you've got three holes in your back. We're not talking marks, Andy. These were holes. Uh, you know, and uh, so that's the reason I was seeking med medical help uh, perhaps 19, I think 1996 to 98. But I daren't tell them because I just daren't. But when you apply for, it was Whitley again that said, apply for your medical records, see what see what they say, you might find it interesting. And the, this, they've done drawings. The doctor, I've took a picture, or my wife took a picture of the holes on my back, which we put in night people. And, and the doctor, we didn't know, has done drawings and they kind of match up. And do you know what I mean? So you've got three punch hole lesions that travel deep into the dermis. That's what they say about, uh, you know, and uh, <clears throat> I 
they're thinking a medical procedure's been been done. Well, I don't know what were done. All I know is that these things were telling me it were a bed spring turning in my back. That were about the end of it. 1998, it stopped. And apart can, I just, from... can I just ask, Paul? I hate interrupting, but I just want to get in no, at that good. point there. Because that conversation you've had with a doctor, you've, you've taken those steps further to say, look, this is happening to me. I'm not just keeping it secret. I'm not keeping it to myself and my family. The doctors looked at it. They're perplexed. They're saying that your skin, you know, the, the dermis, it's got its layers and it's gone. These holes are going down. Is that as far as it went? Was there, was there any chance of following things up? Was there anyone who got in touch with you to look into this further? Well, what they did, and they they left it an open appointment. They tested me for everything. They could only find they were allergic to grass pollen. <laughs> Seriously, they did. They just hadn't got a clue. And the the last letter, and I'm sure we put it in there, says, "I'm afraid we're going to have to their words draw blank with Mr. Sinclair's lesions." And and that was the la- and, and we've left an open appointment. Should he need to come in and see us again? And I haven't done. I haven't needed to. Uh, it's you know, for me, apart from seeing odd, strange things and odd things happening in the house, which I think everybody probably experiences, and most of the time it goes over people's heads because they're not actually looking for something, uh, it stopped in 1998, and I'm really pleased it did. So what was the moment for you that you decided to to put this down on paper? And obviously this would be the Truth Proof series, you know, book one. What was that spark? Was it a day, a moment, or was it a accumulation? Well, that was, I didn't put night people down on paper till probably 2020, uh, actually writing the first book. No, no, I, f- I finished work, and uh, I'm always keen to stress I don't have loads of money, but I'd worked hard, and we'd sort of got ourselves into a position uh, where, where I could finish work, and I wanted to just do this full-time. Mm. I wanted to research full-time, and I'd over the years, I'd collected loads and loads of accounts because the Truth Proof 1, 2, 3, and 4, uh, there might be odd thing that's that I've witnessed with witnesses, but the books primarily, I would say 99.9% are about first-hand witness accounts. And I just wanted to get them down on paper and, and do the witness justice because I get loads and loads of people sending me information and some of it, not out of rudeness, I disregard because it's a friend of a friend's told me or it's a little bit vague and you, you just get a feel for it not being right. But I like to meet the person face to face, go to the location whenever possible and, and just just spend some time just we, we sort of winkling the story out to people. You know what I mean? It's it's, it's full time. It's, it's, more than, it's more than a normal eight to five job kind of thing. So the title of the book I said to you before we recorded is a Glaswegian's nightmare to pronounce. So the the full the full title is Truth Proof: The Truth That Leaves No Proof. Now that sounds like something someone would ask me to repeat, you know, just for fun. Can you so repeat I'm, that, please? <laughs> no, but uh, like well, in the description, it it is Andy though, isn't it? It is a truth that leaves no proof because whether you're a, a skeptic uh, or, or whatever whatever you want to term yourself as. I think I think the the proof of what people are seeing and reporting is overwhelming, even if most of it is anecdotal. It's overwhelming, and there's there's so many re- repetitive patterns that come through within the the accounts, and it's diverse a diverse population, diverse r- religious beliefs, but fundamentally they're all 
most of them are all reporting something very similar. There's a similar thread running through them, even stepping away from the the UFOs and to the cryptids to other parts of this unexplained phenomena. We've got this strange, what I call the lower silence, this descent into this kind of disjointed reality when not every time, but when quite a lot of the time we're in a true event of unexplained phenomena, everything around you the, the, the changes. You know, it, it just becomes surreal. And I, I often wonder, I don't know whether, I don't know whether that's the phenomena we're in the phenomena's environment, yeah. Or whether the the actual phenomena is is placing that feeling on us. I I, I don't know. I'm, I'm just sort of throwing hooks out and seeing what people think half of the time. I'm going to be completely honest and admit that I do love a bit of cool technology, but not all the best tech is classified. So when Blendjet got in touch about their new Blendjet 2.0, I was very excited to try it out, especially as one of those protein shake people that many folks hate. Just shaking never has the same results as a blender does, let's be fair. Blend Jet 2 is portable, so you can blend up a smoothie at work, a protein shake at the gym, or even a margarita on the beach. It's small enough to fit in a cup holder, but powerful enough to blast through tough ingredients like ice and frozen fruit with ease. Blend Jet 2 is whisper quiet, so you can make your morning smoothie without waking up the whole house, a big one for me folks, and it lasts for 15 or more blends, and recharges quickly via USB-C. Best of all, Blend Jet 2 cleans itself, just blend with water a drop of soap and you're good to go with over 30 colors available there are something for everyone personally i'm a huge fan of the carbon fiber what are you waiting for go to blendjet.com and grab yours today and be sure to use the promo code that ufo 12 to get 12 percent off your order and free two-day shipping no other portable blender on the market comes close to the quality power and innovation of the blendjet 2 they guarantee you'll love it or your money back. Blend anytime, anywhere with the Blendjet 2 Portable Blender. Go to blendjet.com and use the code THATUFO12 to get 12% off, remember folks, and that free two-day shipping. Shop today and get the best deal ever. You know, when I've when I've heard about those sorts of moments or, you know, things going quiet, you know, things just se- seeming off, sounding odd, it sounds like those places on Earth, like uh, horrible places like Auschwitz where something evil has happened and people report... There's no birds for miles, you know, no animals round about. There's an odd feeling, an odd setting, as if there's a presence there. And that that's what it sort of sounds like when people have these these experiences. Is it, you know, time slowing down around them? Like you say, is it is it an effect that's being put upon the incident? No one actually knows, but there's a, there's an odd sensation, an odd feeling to that. Is that something you've experienced yourself or something you've read more about or researched in, more in, and heard from ex- others? In the experiences in childhood, that's something I've experienced myself. And I, I'd, I had, I've said, because you, you're not processing these things as a child. You don't even know that it's not normal. You just know that you're not really going to... My dad were re, ex-military, uh, real regimented kind of guy, kind of guy who would hit first and ask questions later, which is totally opposite. I'm not like that at all. Do you know what I mean? I don't know whether that's made me that way, but, you know, we kind of don't take no nonsense, but we're not like he were. But where am I going with this? When, you, when, you, when you're experiencing... Oh, I, I mentioned him because I never spoke about it. I wouldn't have... I never even thought to bring what were happening in the night. And we're on in a three-bedroom council house 
We're not in some big rambling house. He's only in a wall with a three by two wall between us. Do you know? Do you know what I'm saying? And plasterboard, yeah. and I wouldn't have dared mention it. I, I just don't think I would have dared. But every night when you've had something traumatic happen to you like that, and it doesn't have to be UFO, alien related, something traumatic. I'm, and we don't even have to say the words, but there are things that happen. You, 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 sure. you, you're listening for it. You're watching for it all the time. You can't. But when it comes with this UFO phenomena, this alien type phenomena, it's it's happening and it's over before you've actually realised it's happened. Because mm. you're never, ever ready for it. Never. I thought every, every night as a child, because it didn't happen. Truth proof, I've just got, I don't know, I don't know. 20 events through childhood so it's not every night and they're they're all i can remember but but one of them is enough to make you be on be rocking all the time and on edge all the time but for some reason you're in the moment and it's 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 taken over before you even realize and you know it's, it, the event is over before you've realized that you've actually been become absorbed into it it's it's such a strange thing i ain't got answers for it no, and, and, and many folks don't. We've got a lot of questions, but a lack of answers. You've mentioned through the, the book series, Till Night People, there are largely other people's accounts, the testimony, you know, the stories that people have experienced or seen. What did you start to learn as you put these books together and you've researched and spoken to hundreds of different people? Was there any common thread that would go through those experiences? Like you say, not just UFOs, but cryptids and other such things as well. A common thread... I think for a lot of places around the United Kingdom is location. Uh, if if that's the kind of thing you're, you're asking. I mean, uh, um, there seems to be concentrated areas mm-hmm. where more unexplained phenomena take place. I mean, I've, I've had people ask me, you know, well, you're heavily involved in subject, Paul, and how come you're seeing stuff around eastern North Yorkshire? I don't think it's because I'm heavily involved in it. I think that... that the, the, the location itself, you've only got the look, you go back decade after decade, go back to folklore and go back and, and it's all there. We know that stories may get embellished throughout time and well, they will do and folklore, but there's a grain of truth in these things. And what we've been doing with our documentary Wolfland and these self-illuminating eyes, if you go back in folklore, We've got phantom hounds with glowing eyes appearing on the cliff tops and appearing in the forests of East of North Yorkshire. Yet present day, we're getting these things reported now. Do you know? And people, it's not people who are trying to make a name for themselves. I've had to really, pardon the pun, I've had to hound a lot of these people to get to get this information and 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 make, you know get them to come on camera. And I I applaud them. You know to to actually put these traumatic events, what they've experienced, and sit in front of a camera and talk to us. But I think, I think, it's, I think it's a common, a, the, a lot of the common threads are there. You, you know, even by date, you know, for some reason, 15th of June and the month of June seems to throw up, particularly in Flamborough and Bempton, traumatic and strange events. And <clears throat> could be coincidence, Andy, you know, 15th yep. of June... Uh, 1998, tornado, tornado ZE723 vanishes from radar 15 miles off Flamborough Head, which just happens to be an area where the magnetic anomaly is, uh, where the fishermen experience lots of strange things. Not exactly, you know, but in that area, we can't say that's exactly where it is. 
Uh, at the time, I weren't researching it at the time, but the UFO investigators of the day thought this were UFO related. 15th of June 2020, the American Seagull, uh, uh, F-15 Seagull, vanishes similar area of Flamborough Head. 15th of June uh, 2011, a few miles away, the Wallabies at Sorby, the Wallabies, we're going to something totally different, at Sorby Hall Zoo, were decapitated within their enclosures. I mean, it's a strange one, and it's a, I could actually talk for an hour, to, and I did on, I actually did on Midnight in the Desert, just about the Wallabies, because it was such a strange thing. There were a lot of animal mutilations in the month of June and just after June, in and around this area. Start, it started with one Wallaby, and then if you look further, I probably never thought we were going to jump to Wallabies, Andy. There you go, got a little joke in there, guys. But we never thought that. <laughs> but but what I'm saying is, if you look then, you find that Wallabies, and please forgive me if I've got 2011 wrong and it were nine, but I think it were 11, but all over the United Kingdom, Wallabies were being decapitated in, in small animal parks. How does that at work? How does that add up? So then if you go further afield, you go to the Coffs Coast and you go to the Emerald Coast in Australia, those same months, wallabies were being decapitated. And, you know, I, I, I spoke to a professor, uh, Allenby, I think he was at Warwick University. He, he, were, he, were, he were interested in uh, the potential for ailing big cats to be at large in the United Kingdom. And I sent him this information about the wallabies, which he found fascinating. And the guy were really quite positive, but he believed it was a human thing. He thought that people were doing it and it's sort of some kind of, I don't know, I wouldn't say a craze. Like, like, like it caught on. Yeah, like, yeah. I know what you mean, though. Which I believe is more preposterous. Copycats. Yeah, but I think that's, like, I don't think it's possible. Uh, I've seen speed these things move. So we've got, first, I was brought to my attention with the wallabies at Subi Hall Zoo. When I started looking further afield in the Cotswolds, Hanwell, Bunny Park, all over the United Kingdom, similar time span, they're getting decapitated. It's crazy. Australia, they're getting decapitated. I know we've jumped about here, people, and I didn't, you know, you, know, you didn't start with that question, but it, it, it led to it, Andy. I do apologise for talking about something that you probably didn't want to talk about. No, no, but it's, it's, it's linked and, and that's really interesting and it's something that you don't necessarily hear about. You know, wallabies, we're, we're so used to cattle mutilations, you yeah, know, yeah. other well, animals, other species, most 20, species we hear about 20, have had these kind of incidents. 2017, uh, I was contacted by a farmer. Uh, I went to speak to him. I asked, uh, um, uh, he, he agreed to let me look into the sheep mutilations that he'd been having on a farm not far from where I am now. And how did I get to know about this? I went to, they were a vagrant living in Danes Dyke. He'd been there. He left this year, actually, the, the rehomed him, but he'd been there 13 years. We took him some food. It was New Year's Day, 2017. And he told me the police had just been to see him and they'd asked him if he'd seen anything unusual because an unusual dog has, has been seen killing sheep. And that's all he told me. So I did a, did a bit of digging. I'd located the farm. I went and spoke to him. We can keep unexplained phenomena out of this. I'd love to look into it for you. So I spent two years on on these fields in be, and woodlands in between 4.30 and 5.30 in the morning, three or four days a week. Me and that little dog, and braver than meat dog, I think, Andy, you know. And uh, <clears throat> he'd lost, 
I think he'd lost 28 sheep when he contacted me. And when it finished in 2019, he'd lost over 50 sheep. And I'd fi- I'd were finding them, and I were finding roe deer, I were finding badger and fox. Faces stripped of skin, in most cases, eyes removed. And why were I going at that time in the morning? Because of the people that say, well, crows will have took eyes. Uh, other animals will have predated on them. That's why the... So I will get in there. In some cases, these animals were still warm. And I really were there at that time in the morning. Hundreds and hundreds of photographs of sheep with ears removed, eyes removed, front left leg for some reason. God knows why. And uh, when I first started talking to him, because I, I have the, a red book here. This is the book I had at the time. I don't use it now, but I, I had this book. And I write all sorts down. And I wrote down. Uh, a guy called Peter who, who were walking on Cliff Lane and he found a, a roe deer with a three-inch hole through its side. We likened it to, you know, the hole on a boiler, a gas flue pipe? It looked like yeah. that had just gone straight through it. A lovely clean hole, if that can don't sound too sick. And um, 28th of June, 2017. So I'm talking to this farmer and I'm in his, he's come in, sat in his living room. And he's got his diary out and he says to me, he said, I, I, I first realised something strange was happening. He said, because there were 400 sheep on this field. He says, I have two dogs. He says, and the hate, the hate going through these troughs to treat the feet. It must be something that's really painful. He said, and they know, like stings the feet, this liquid. He says, so we funnel them in. He says, and my two dogs struggle. He says, I get to the pens one morning. He's telling me this story. He said, and uh, I can't believe what I'm looking at. He says, these corrugated run which probably should take six to seven sheep in length and then they go through into other side he said it's got 30 sheep in it not 25 not 29 30 sheep in it he says they're all piled on top of one another they're hung over at sides he says that's happened at night he says i can't understand it he says so i unpeg these things he says we straighten sheep out he says there's three dead not through mutilation just through heat exhaustion and fear he yeah. said, and I said, what date was that? And he went, let's have a look. He went, 28th of June. I says, wait there. And I opened this book up. I says, because I don't want you to see that I'm writing it afterwards. And I've got it down there, 28th of June, deal, deer with three-inch hole in its side, Cliff Lane, literally. I'm not going to say where because it will locate the farm, but very close, very close. And... Uh, there's something strange going on. Something really strange was happening. 2019, if we've got time, I'll just stay with this for a moment. Yeah. I, 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 I did my usual. I got to fields early. I used to pull up. We had headlights on, so I didn't wake him up. Farmer and his family, I were welcome there, but, I, you know, I didn't, I didn't want to walk the field. It's just getting light. And I'm, I, there's two fields, and there's a fence between them, a big gate between them. And field sheep are in bottom field. Well, I open big gate, go through it, and I look up field, and it's just it's just grass. Sheep knew me. I'd been going up for years, and they didn't run away. They weren't bothered about my little dog. But there's not there's nothing untoward. And I do like a grid of the field. Drop into this wood, come out of the wood. Don't bother looking up field. Come out, shut the gate, and as I shut the gate, I look. There's a lamb about size of a Labrador. Not it's not a fully grown ewe or ram. Laid there. I know it's dead. I thought it weren't there when I arrived, like two hours before, an hour and a half, two hours before. I knew instantly what it was, so I walked up to it. Now, what I should have said earlier was the farmer said to me, 
uh, are you going to go up on, what day are you going up on field? I said, I said, probably go up Tuesday or whatever. I've wrote about it in two till three. He says, well, I were up on Sunday. He says, I've lost one of my, one of my lambs. He says, and we'll call it number 53. They're all sprayed with a number. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and that might not be number it was. Someone tells me it was 37. But anyway, he says, I've lost it. He says, I've been all around field in my four before. My dog's, I've walked field. He says, it's gone. I says, I said, oh, I'm sorry to hear that, mate. And that was that. So that was Sunday. I'm there, I think, on Tuesday. Bear in mind, it weren't there when I walked on field earlier and I walk off. So I walk up. I knew it were going to be that one. Looked at it. It's not bloated. It's not being opened up by any predators. Eyes are missing. Ears are missing. Front left legs missing. Touched it. It's clapped cold, but it's not swollen with gases inside it. It looked like it's been dead a long time. So I rang him up. Said, what no, number was that lamb that you lost? And he went, uh, I said, number 53. And I said, it's here. I said, but it weren't here this morning when I arrived. And that, what is that? Have we got some human intervention? Because we're in the middle of nowhere, Andy. We're literally in the middle of nowhere. I'm on a private road. I've drove a mile to get to this farm up a private road. There's woods at the back. There's there's nothing. And that that really is unnerving when, you, when something like that happens. It's like, well, that place there to make me realise, I, I don't know, is something playing with us? I don't know. A lot of that starts to no, it's, it's fascinating. A lot of that starts to sound like incidents we've heard happen in places like Skinwalker Ranch. You know, when you mention those sheep being stored almost in a very tight, contained area, yeah. in a very unnatural way, that something had to have picked them up and placed them on top of each other. Twenty eighth of like June. Yeah, you hear about those cows that were basically <laughs> put inside a cabin, like a porta cabin, in Skinwalker Ranch, and then they burst out of it. They were catatonic apparently when they were found. That's like you say why would someone or how could someone even do that it's a he very couldn't difficult believe, thing to he, do isn't he couldn't it? believe it Andy. he just said he said that's when i realized something strange were going on although then is and, and rightly so we should all rationalize and look for the look for what an earthly explanation should we say because when i told him he went well maybe a fox has brought it back and i just thought it were a ridiculous thing to say because it hadn't been predated on apart from front left leg that which were gone do you know, and yeah, there's, there are a lot of similarities to the things, uh, I mean, I've spoke to George Knapp about this a, a few times, and there are a lot of similarities to the things that have been reported there, that have been reported, particularly at Bempton and Speeton. And, but I don't think these places are unique. I think that probably, they, they probably need somebody looking at areas areas where things of an unexplained nature are happening, with a lot of intensity, and I think you'd probably unearth a lot more stuff. So the series itself, and we've touched on this, doesn't just look at UFOs. We talk about all sorts of high strangeness going throughout the series. <laughs> Orbs, uh, we mentioned missing people, night people. Have you always thought these phenomena were linked? I like your actual phrase, multi, multi, multi phenomena phenom research. Yeah, and yeah. It's, it's good. Uh, I, 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 Wanted to coin myself that at the awakening when I spoke last year, and that it kind of stuck with it because I think that's what we we all ought to be ultimately ought to be striving towards instead of pigeonholing ourselves. And I'm a UFO researcher. I'm a cryptid researcher because there's so much we could learn from each other. Uh, and I've lost the question. Give me what? what... 
No, just about that. This being linked and it being your own multi-phenomena it, research. It, it, you yeah, know, it, it is. It is ultimately linked. We might not know why. Uh, I, I do understand that. You know, in on February the seventh, twenty nineteen, two military guys claimed to have seen something that we can only describe as a werewolf on the cliff tops at Bempton. Uh, they were wild camping. They came across this thing. So they tell me. On, on February the 7th, we think it rolled into February the 8th. They arrived at 20, uh, and they were in early hours at morning. And, uh, excuse me, what I find fascinating is that on February the 8th, 2020, myself, Bob Brown, and one of my daughters, Gemma, uh, went to the clifftops. We didn't, we didn't think, oh, we'll, we'll go on the anniversary of this happening. We're all us up there. Gemma, not particularly. She was staying with us for a few weeks. Uh, she, I, mean, I was Gemma now. She's 38, but it's in between moving and she was staying with us. And it was a toss-up between sitting at home and watching TV soaps or coming and having a look at cliff tops with me. So she thought she would. And that's what she did. She's, she's not really into the subject as such. So anyway, February the 8th, this is a year later, or a year and a day, depending on what, what these military guys, are, when they saw it, whether it would be before 12 or after. Where am I going with it? So I'm setting a camera up on cliff tops at a place called, I think it was Brill Nuke. It's like a, a lookout in front of these uh, two to 300 foot cliffs that were just sheer dropped at North Sea. And at the back of us, we've got this hill. And when I talked about areas, concentrated areas within the areas of high strangeness, this place is what I would call a concentrated area. And Gemma's got a big torch. She's picked up and she's shining it. And she says, what's that white square there, Bob? I can hear them. They're just, it's just chatter to me. I'm setting a camera up. Bob went, I think it's a board on a fence post. Well, Bob's been up here that many times. He instantly realised, not remembered, that there's no boards on fence posts. There's no fence. So he put his torch on it and this white square literally dropped to the floor and disappeared. Doesn't sound like anything that conforms with unexplained phenomena, a white square. We immediately went to area. There was nothing there. Now, it doesn't finish there. We went home that night and there's a, there's a because I've converted these flats, I've, we've got like a little TV room and then you've got a big living room and a hallway down to a big extension. Me and Mary go to bed, Gemma stays up watching TV. Behind the sofa where she's sat and it's in like a little alcove is a brick wall. And behind that is a, an hallway to our property so there's nobody in the property and there's another brick wall then behind that and above is a flat which is unoccupied the, the bob was in the top flat but the middle one was unoccupied i just need to stress this in case anybody thinks it's loud music so Gemma said i'm watching tv just got a little side light on and i hear a noise and i think it's thunder and and she said turn tv down she says and then i realized there's a growling behind me and she said, Dad, it was so loud, it was kind of vibrating my insides. She says, it absolutely frightened me to death. Now, anybody could say, well, that's his daughter. She's just telling him a story or he's just saying this. I've wrote night people. We've got four girls. The only person with nothing to say about any weird experiences throughout childhood and throughout adulthood, and believe me, I'd have put it in night people, is Gemma. That's the first thing she's ever come out with now we, we you touched on skinwalker and you we, we talk about the, the 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 phrase that they're keen to use they're calling it the hitchhiker uh yeah uh, 
I don't know effect. Yeah, effect, take an yeah, effect. Yeah, where where people have been to the location and they're taking something of the phenomena back with them. And I'm wondering if that happened there. Do you know? Uh, there's a guy who comes in our live stream called Rob, and he went up to the old RAF base and he swears that happened to him there. Uh, you know, and, and I want to speak to Rob more. Like his his his, his code code name is his name in the chat in the live stream is blue shift so if anybody wanted to ask him just ask it's not a secret he's convinced that something came back with him when he went to bempton and went up around the old raf base which i don't recommend anybody going on the raf base by the way people it's out of bounds but uh, he believes something came back with him so I don't know where we're going with that one now, Andy. No, no. It's, you mentioned Hatchaker effect, and you've you mentioned George Knapp. George Knapp has said he's had the same thing happen, and he's not <laughs> went into detail with it. But he told me on on the podcast I done with him last year or the year before. He's been on a few times that his wife had effects from something coming back with him. Thomas Winterton, the ranch superintendent, has said the same thing. His family have had incidents happen back at their home, and then we've heard from Brandon Fugel and others that it's happened to countless officials and other people who have who have dealt with the property as well. And this, this must happen all around the planet. What I would like to know, uh, and what I'm going to do, I'm going to wrap up here for part one, and part two will be released in a few days' time, folks. So if you hear the bell coming in a second or that UFO sound bite, thanks very much for listening to part one. Make sure you tune in again for part two. The question that's going to lead into part two, though, is in this time, have you had, during your research, anyone in an official capacity, whether that was police, military or government, get in touch with you about your research or what you were doing? That is all for this week's show. Thank you very much for listening. Please remember to leave the podcast a review on your chosen platform. You can like, retweet and subscribe. That would all be very much appreciated. The shows are being uploaded onto YouTube as we speak more and more. You can sign up at patreon.com forward slash that UFO podcast to access the shows ad free as well. Please get in touch on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, that UFO podcast. Of course, on Twitter, it's at UFO, U-A-P-A-M. And again, folks, as always, keep looking up. You never know what you might see. It wasn't a tic-tac and not quite a saucer, more like a hubcap designed by Chaucer, a little Baroque and quite steampunk, like Alice was playing bass for the Parliament of Fuck. The little fucker hovered right outside of my window, and when I shoved out the screen, he made it an issue. I don't think he expected me to see his ass, but I'd had some champagne and smoked a little bit.